0: Light of the world, step down into darkness. Let's just pray. Father God, we thank you that you sent your Son to be the light of the world. We lift up our hearts to you. We lift up our meeting together this morning to you. And Lord, we ask that you shine your light upon us. You shine your light into all of those dark places that threaten to crowd in to our lives. Because your light pierces through, your truth pierces through. You, Jesus, cut through the darkness of the world. So as we come together this morning, Lord, to look at your word, we just ask that your light will shine forth and penetrate deep into our hearts, revealing to us what you want us to know about you and your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning we come to the next part of our series in John. Obviously, we had an amazing service last week, Easter service, didn't we, if you were here? um, That was a really wonderful time. But now we're returning to our series in John, and we are up to chapter 6. Verse 1 to 15, we're reading from, which didn't actually check in the uh, Church Pew Bibles what page it is. Let's have a quick look for you if you haven't got this. 1069. 1069, thank you, if you're using the Church Bibles. But I will read and it will be up on the screen for us. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee that is, the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Who here manages to watch a film repeatedly? The same film over and over again. I'm not going to pick on you, so please feel free to put your hands up if you do. So There's a few hands you there. Maybe some of you are a bit like me, where I think, oh, I know what's going to happen. I really don't want to watch that film again. It's just going to be boring because I know what the plot is. I know the characters. No, I don't want to watch it. But some of you do, obviously, enjoy watching the film again. And maybe you enjoy watching the film again because it surprises you, because you think you knew, but actually you didn't. And this is what I think sometimes we do with the Bible. Well, if you're anything like me anyway, I have to confess that sometimes I would come to a story like the feeding of the 5,000, I would kind of skim read it because I think, yeah, 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 I've heard that before, I know it, I know what what God's talking about, da, la la. How arrogant is that? I mean, I actually don't. When I go back to the real nitty gritty of these basic stories that maybe we grew up in Sunday school with or we've heard, Been preached about or not, God reveals new things. He opens the eyes of our hearts time and time again. He renews us. He washes us with the word. And indeed, God obviously felt that this was one of those stories that was really important for us to know about and to keep reading because it's in all four gospel accounts Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So remember, the more we dwell, on the truth of God's word, the more we grow in relationship with Jesus and the more we're transformed into his likeness. So this passage starts off sometime after this. So something had obviously been happening before, hadn't it? Jesus had performed many many miracles. They'd been busy. What do you like to do? Just a rhetorical question. What do you like to do after a busy day? Maybe watch the television, lay on the bed, flop on the sofa. (laughs) Maybe some of us pray, ask for restoration, rejuvenation. I don't know, maybe you build Lego. My husband likes to build Lego to relax, as you all know well. My daughter might like to do some sticker albums. Well, here we have the disciples and Jesus had a really busy day. They're exhausted, I would imagine. You've got to remember, although Jesus is God, he's divine, he was also human, fully human. So he had those needs. He was hungry, thirsty, tired. He recognized the disciples were hungry, thirsty, tired. And not only had they been doing physical work, but they'd been ministering, hadn't they? You, know, you pour out everything when you pray for people, your spirit is involved. So this is what they'd been doing, and he chooses to say, well, we're going to go now and have our rest. We're going to do our form of unwinding. So what does it say? They went up on a mountainside, and he sat down with his disciples. Then he says, the Jewish Passover festival was near, and it goes on to say, Jesus looked up, da, 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 da. Why have they put the Jewish Passover festival was near? In there because actually if you read it it's a a narrative saying okay they've been busy they now need to go and rest they need to have something to eat and then it talks about how he looks up and he sees a crowd following him so we're going to come back to that point it's just something to note for now but he looks up and he sees the crowd now remembering he's thinking about this is what we need to do right now The other gospel accounts use the word compassion. Jesus had compassion on the people that had followed them. Because not only did they then need rest, but he recognised that all the people that were following him needed to eat. They needed to rest. They'd come the same distance. So they needed to have some food too. So he turns to one of his disciples, Philip, we see here, and he says, well, where are we going to buy the bread from? Now, obviously, it tells us here that Jesus knew, and it, what he was just asking him the question to test him. But what is the answer? What does Philip say? Philip looks to the physical lack of money, and he looks to the logistics of the situation. He looks to the magnitude of the crowds that are there, and he says, don't have enough money. And then also, Andrew looks at the disparity of the need, the huge need, more than 5,000 people, and they've only got five loaves and two fish. He sees the boy, like we had in our illustration with the talk earlier for the children. There were five loaves and two fish, and well over 5,000 people. The two just don't go together, do they? <laughs> How are we going to make that work? But let's think back to our film analogy. When you've watched something over and over and over again, there is that element that you think to yourself, I might not remember all the details, but by and large, we can think to ourselves, I know what's going to happen. I know those characters, I know the plot. I know the next scene, I know what's going to happen next. Or maybe it's somebody you know well in your life and you think to yourself, I know that character, I know what they're going to do in that situation. They're either going to get really, really angry if it's that kind of person or they're going to be really loving because you know them so well, you know what the response is going to be. But here, the disciples have been living with Jesus, they've been following him, they've been ministering with him, they've seen him do miracles, they've seen amazing things happen. And they look to the natural, they look to the lack, they look to the impossible. Instead of thinking, I know Jesus, he's my best friend, I've been hanging out with him, he's been teaching me day in day out, and I'm going to look to his provision. He always meets the needs of everybody we've met, he's going to provide again. And of course, what does Jesus do? He takes the bread that is offered, he takes the little, he thanks the Father in heaven and it's multiplied, it's given to the masses, well over 5,000 people, he meets the needs of all that are there because of course he is interested in our physical needs as well, not just our spiritual, it's both, he's interested in the whole of us, So in that moment, when he took the bread, we're gonna go back to thinking about why the element of the Jewish Passover festival was mentioned there. It's because this story is teaching on so many different levels. It's not just another miracle. Miracles are amazing, of course, aren't they? And wouldn't we like to see more of them, I'm sure. But there's more going on here. In that moment when he took the bread and he thanks the Father, it points backwards in the biblical story and forwards. So it points back to the Passover festival and forwards to the Last Supper. So there's a lot of elements in this story that parallel those two really important events in our Christian life. Now because we're going to see a lot more about the bread of life and about Jesus and about the Last Supper as we move through the gospel, we're going to look a little bit more today about the Passover and why it was significant. So the Passover feast was a celebration of God in which he spared the Israelites in the Exodus story. He freed his people. He delivered them from slavery in Egypt. So When when we're looking, that he's giving this bread out, he's giving them a message. He's saying there's freedom in this. There is freedom in what is to come. In fact, parallel to this is Paul as well. He does a similar thing in Acts. He takes bread, Acts 27 33 to 38. He takes the bread, he thanks the Father. And he feeds a lot of people, and they're actually pagans he does that in front of as well. So he's emulating this same story. And there's the other element, isn't there, in verse 9? The boy, the boy who brings the little. He gives from, there's probably not a very wealthy background, because he gave the five loaves that were made of barley. Now in those days, barley loaves, usually indicated that you didn't have much money. The wealthy usually ate the bread that was made from wheat. So we can presume that this family that the boy came from didn't have much, but he still gave. Jesus took that offering and he was able to multiply it. In much the same way that when Tom was talking earlier about the children's ministry having grown exponentially It's because we took the church, I'm talking about here, took the little that was offered, the few children that were here, and we trusted God. This was before I was even here. The church trusted God and gave this ministry up to him, recruited Teresa as the children and families worker, and look what God has done with it. Exponentially grown. The provision has come. The finances... We thank you, Lord, for the finances that have also come. Sorry, I digressed. Back to our passage. (laughs) So, at the Passover meal, we're coming back to verse 4, the Jewish Passover festival was near. At a Passover meal, one is required to recline, we don't sit up and eat. Don't even sit down at a chair and eat, we recline. Now I thought when I was looking at this that it showed humility or that it maybe was customary or that it was practical. In fact, it was an honour as a son wouldn't usually recline in the presence of his father and a student needed permission from his teacher to be able to sit So when Jesus is doing this in the the story here, if you notice, scoop down with me to distributed to those who were seated, seated. Verse 11 says, Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, distributed to those who were seated. He'd asked the disciples just before that, have the people sit down. So before he gave the bread out, he wanted everybody sitting. Now here then is that parallel. He's saying, you are going to become children of God. If you're following me, I am Jesus, I'm permitting you to sit down, I'm your teacher, you are the students, but equally it's pointing the way towards the fact that as we enter into the kingdom through our faith in Christ, we become children of God, royalty, And nobility because the other thing about people that ate in this way was it was usually the royal and the noble so again there's another parallel it was also sitting at the passover was also a sign of freedom and so again here we can see jesus is saying you're coming into freedom those that are following him at this um the feeding of the five thousand they're coming into a place of freedom Again, back to that Exodus story, they've been freed from slavery. Those people following Jesus, including us today, we are being freed from bondage to sin. We're being freed from death. We're being freed from slavery and oppression and brought into new life in Christ. And then, another key part of this passage is the bread. Was collected and there was an abundance, wasn't there? This wasn't just a little snack. You know, when you're out for the day and you think, oh, let's pack a few snacks for the children, pack a few snacks for me because I'm definitely going to be hungry. It wasn't that. It wasn't just taking the edge off. This was something where everybody ate and had their fill. And this is what we get when we come to Jesus, isn't it? He provides complete satisfaction. In him is where we are fully satisfied. He meets our needs and exceeds them. And then, I just want to tie it in with something that Nick mentioned the other week, which is right at the end. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come to make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself because he is our king and we follow him as our king but of course they expected a different king they didn't think that he was going to be the king that would lay down his life so it's important again that we recognize that Jesus didn't crave that power although he had it he didn't crave it he didn't need to And neither must we, as his followers, as his disciples. We say no to people putting us into positions of power and authority where we rule and reign above them. We serve. We come to serve those. And Jesus lifts us up. He's the one that reigns on the throne, which I also think you mentioned earlier, Tom. So let's have a look back, a little recap at what we've learnt from this passage this morning. First of all, we've learnt more about Jesus, our provider. With the little that we have, we can give thanks to the Lord and trust him for the provision. So I'd just like to interject here and just pray that with the little that we offer of our services and our time, that God will multiply that and that we will see the need that we have in the children's team and the youth team be met and exceeded. So if you'll just join with me for a minute. Father God, we do thank you that you meet all of our needs, both physical, practical, spiritual, emotional, mental. And Lord Jesus, we give to you the need of more ministry team members in the children's and the youth work. Lord, we give to you what we have. We thank you for that provision. And we trust you, Lord, to provide. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have Jesus our provider. We also have a foretaste of Jesus our sustainer, the bread of life, which we'll be learning about more over the next few weeks. Let's remember when we face difficulties or lack in life, let's remember to think about who Jesus is. What do we know about Jesus? What has he done in our lives so far? And if you haven't got that to draw on, let's look in the Bible. Let's learn more about Jesus through the written word. Let's learn from our community. Let's learn from the tradition of the church, the people that have gone before us. Find out more about Jesus and why he's our sustainer, how he's our sustainer. We've also learned that he's our role model. So he showed compassion when people came with need. He had needs, his disciples had needs, but he said, you know, we need to meet the the needs of people around us and we can do that too. In him, he provides us, us with enough to overflow with grace and provision to others. So I've just got a little visual to leave us with that should come up help us to just remember when we're struggling or when there seems to be lack and the physical in front of us doesn't seem to meet the need that we can see. We have the underpinning thanks and trust in our Father God. We can ask our Lord to provide, We then we receive it and we give to others. But of course, the reason I've done the circle is because we can be at any point in this. So we could be in a place of receiving already, and we give. And then we might need to ask again, and we go round. We might start from a place of giving. I know I've been in a place in my life, for many years it was, where I literally had not enough money to buy the basics. I couldn't afford a tube of toothpaste but I still tithed, and this isn't a tithing message, but it's just a pure example of the life that, that I have experienced. And when I just continued to tithe, because that was important to me, it was something that God had laid on my heart that is important to give from the little I have, like the widow who gave her last two coins. You give the little, and God provides. And do you know, some days I would find five pounds in my pocket, open my purse. £10. I don't know whether God laid it on someone's heart when I wasn't looking to sneak it in there or whether it was literally just a miracle that it appeared, but it was there. I was provided for and never went without. I might have been a bit skinny, but <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't ever have nothing because God provided and I stayed faithful to him. So let's just finish off and pray as we hand over back to the band and the worship team. Father God, we thank you for your provision. Father, we thank you for your provision in Jesus. We thank you that in him all our needs are met. Lord, we thank you that you care about our whole being, the whole of our lives and those around us. Those that we touch, those that come to us. Lord, may we be good disciples of yours those that point the way to who you are, Jesus. You know each and every one of us, Lord. You know every hair on our head. You know our very deepest need. And Lord, I just ask that you will meet the deepest need of every person here, tuning in, anybody that comes into contact with this message this morning.